Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. I really do believe today I have a word from the Lord. And I'm not just speaking that in preacher talk. The Lord spoke to my heart on this and he has been dealing with me personally as well as dealing with me for the congregation. I want to be a better seeker because if I'm a better seeker, I will be a better finder. I want to find, I want to find him and find his will. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 gives, uh, I, I think, just an absolute wonderful promise in the Bible. And it gives direction. Now, I will, I will tell you, asking for things is sometimes very difficult. Have you ever found it difficult to ask someone for something? They, they may be offering, but you feel like you're putting them out by asking. But uh, God has unlimited resources. So this is coming from God. You're not putting him out. You're not diminishing his gifts or his abilities. And so he said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I love the fact that we serve a positive God. Sometime back I received in the mail a Quran. And the Muslims were doing a evangelistic effort. They sent out big, nice copies of the Quran. Very negative book. Extremely negative. I am so glad that we're a part of a movement that is positive. And God right here gave three positives. He said, ask and seek and knock, and there's going to be a positive result to it. I do believe the problem, however, is that sometimes we're not good at asking. And he said, sometimes we don't have because we ask amiss. We don't ask right. And we don't seek right. And we don't knock consistently. So I ask that you would follow with me today as we pose the question to you, will you seek until you find? Father God, I pray that you would start with this pastor and help me to become a better seeker. I pray, dear Lord, that you would start with this congregation that we collectively would learn to seek you and to find you. And Lord, you promised that if we would ask, 
And if we would seek and if we would not, that positive results would happen. Now, dear Lord, we come to you and we thank you and we believe your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. We seek for many things. We seek for happiness. Constantly we're looking for happiness. We seek for new cars, for houses, uh, for a new truck, new boat. Uh, we, we, we look for, we seek for a wife, seek for a husband. We seek for that perfect dress or that dazzling diamond ring. We, we seek for uh, that perfect fishing hole or that hunting spot. Uh, we seem to go to any lengths that we need to to get what we seek for. Uh, it is very evident people will do whatever they have to do to get what they really want. If you don't believe it, well, in fact, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I am sure there were some people who got up mighty early Friday and stood in line and fought the crowds because you were hoping you would get that television or that computer or that whatever that you were waiting on or hoping for and Hopefully you were able to get it, but you were willing to get up early and do it because you were a seeker. Come on. And, and then, uh, why do we seek? The seeking is not all that joyful. Think about it. There's a lot of times what you seek for is not all, how you seek is not all the time all that joyful. The joy is in finding. Amen. Brother Cecil, how about come up here? Now, now you're a hunter. You, you've, you've had some good success. Um, let, let me get you a mic. I'm getting a yellow mic here. Brother Cecil, I just want to ask you, have you, I know you have. Tell me about the largest deer that you ever shot. Oh yeah, man, I killed a 18 inch nine point. Okay. Just under 200 pounds. Wow. I had been hunting that afternoon and it was getting close to dark. And, and just before the sun had completely set, it was still shooting time, but I saw something just out of the corner of my little flicker. And uh, when I put my, my binoculars up, I recognized that it was a huge bug. So I was able to get my scope on him and, and I was able to fire off a shot. and. Lo and behold, he didn't fall right there. We had to go and search for him, but we were able to find him. We found him the next morning in which the weather was good and everything. We were able to go and retrieve him. And I have the bragging rights on that one because it's the biggest one that I've ever killed in my family. Now, I want to tell you about uh, mine. Um, I, many of y'all may not know about my hunting story, but uh, uh, I went out in the woods and... I was bundled up pretty good because it was a cold day and, and uh, they dropped me off on a stand and, and I stood there and I sat there and I stood there 
And I said, Lord, please let them hurry and call this hunt off because I'm about to freeze. <laughs> and I stood there and I sat there and I just want to tell you, I saw it and I still haven't seen a deer. <laughs> now, I want to tell you about, have you caught fish? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my biggest bass I ever caught was on a cane pole. It was just under five pounds and fishing in a little small pond. And to most people here today would probably not believe it, but it was caught on a cane pole. And I, I, I did that as a young kid. But, you know, we'd seen them swim around the edge of the pond a number of times. And, and some of the adults there thought we were foolish as children because I didn't know how to throw a bait caster. So the only thing I knew how to do was throw the fishing pole out, and they didn't have all these technology as far as brim busters and things. We had the old-fashioned cane poles. And, but anyway, I was able to get my cricket out there, and I caught the biggest bass that day on my cane pole. So, you know, I, I was able to, to follow them around that pond and, until I caught what I was after, you know. So it was good. It was real good. I had bragging rights that day as well. Years ago, I want to tell you my fishing story. Years ago... <laughs> Uh, my mom and dad took us camping and we, we were up in the mountains and, and we found that there was a, um, a, a trout fishing area that uh, you could, you, anything under 12 inches you had to throw back. And then anything 12 inches or more you paid per pound, I think it was, on that. All you had to do was take a little kernel of corn, put it on the end of the hook, and throw your line out and people were catching like crazy except <laughs> so I would do what everyone else was doing they were catching this was in a stocked pond and nothing is happening I went down to where my mother was and I was whining I was a kid I wanted to catch and I said something must be wrong she said son check and see if you've got any corn on the end of the line I held it up and the corn was on there like everyone else's I put it out there people all around me are catching but not me that not too long after that is when I realized I was a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. <laughs> Thank you, Amen. Now, I'm, I, I wanted to bring this out. I asked Brother Cecil just a few minutes ago if he would tell me about his story. Because I, I'm going to tell you, I have had horrible success seeking deer. My wife says, you talk too much. The deer hear you. That might be it. I am a terrible fisherman. Well, I know how to fish. I, I'm a terrible catcher. You know what that is? But I'm asking today, I, I, I don't go around bragging to people about seeking because undoubtedly I'm not a good seeker. And I begin to evaluate myself spiritually. Am I... Lord, spiritually, am I the type of seeker that will get results? I want to be a better seeker of God and his plan and his purpose than what I am as a deer hunter or as a fisherman. And so, can you imagine being with your friends and bragging, I all 
almost caught a fish. Oh, I almost shot a deer. Now you might get away with that once or twice, but then they're gonna laugh at you. When we pastored at our first church, we built our church off of selling dinners to a hunting club. And there was a woman named uh, uh, Betty Ackerman. Betty Ackerman went hunting almost every weekend. We knew when Betty was shooting because you would hear, pow, 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 pow. As many shells as she had in the shotgun, she was going to shoot. <laughs> Betty never shot a deer. But we knew that Betty had at least thought she saw one. <laughs> Betty could come back in and people would laugh. Betty wasn't a hunter. Betty didn't know what she's doing. She just knew how to shoot the gun. <laughs> I, I'm, how many times would it, oh boy, the guys get out and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ought to have seen the girl I almost got a date with. Man, was she beautiful. I almost got a date with her. Well, did you ask her? No, no, but I got near her. I, 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 I looked at her. We, we don't, we, we brag too much about things. I, I want the trophy. I, I want to win. Uh, you know, the guys get together and we can say, you know, I almost bought a Ferrari. I almost bought a Lamborghini. Well, where is it? It's still in the showroom. I went and looked at it. I touched it. I sat in it. But that's not winning it. That's not earning it. That's not receiving it. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are looking for the blessing, but we haven't dug in to be good seekers and we haven't fought through to be finders. The joy is in finding. Everyone say that. The joy is in finding. Now, today we have search engines. We have things that if we want to find, we, it's so much easier now. You can speak into the phone and it'll look up the information for you. But when is the last time that you've really dug down to find what is deep in your heart? The definition of seek is attempt to find. A desire to obtain. And so my question is, how big is your desire? How big, how deep, how driven are you by your desire? My God, help me to get this point across today. I want to be a person that early I will seek him. I want to be a person that I will seek his face. My question is, when is the last time that you earnestly, sincerely sought for the Lord for his will. The scripture says, seek and you shall find. The scripture says, early will I seek thee. The scripture declares earnestly, or says to earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word. 
God offers this in his word. He says, seek my face. When he was doing that, the people of that day felt like that if they could get face to face with God, if they could have a face to face encounter. And you know, I'm afraid that we've we become so motion or that's not proper. We, we've just gotten so much into the routine of church that seeking is not part of what we develop like we used to. I was telling someone this week uh, when the preacher would preach and he would hit me. There's often times while the preacher was still preaching, I'd be over on the side praying because I felt like it wouldn't need to wait. I needed to go ahead and get it handled then. It, uh, he didn't have to give an altar call. I needed to seek God for that situation right then. When is the last time that you put your pride aside and said, whatever it takes, I don't, when the preacher, when he hits you right between the eyes, I'm going to go ahead and get it handled because I am going to be a good seeker of God's plan and his will. Now the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 27 about Jacob and his, uh, his history. Jacob, uh, without going real deep into that story, I, 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 Jacob was a deceiver and his mom helped him become a deceiver. Jacob's dad had said, I'm going to bless you Esau, which is his older son. And he told him, he said, I want you to go out and get some meat like I like it cook it, bring it in, and then I'm going to bless you, son. And back in that time, when, when the blessing was passed down, it, it was like the main inheritance would come. Well, Jacob was a, a deceiver. His mother came to him and said, son, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to uh, go get uh, some some meat and I'm going to fix it and we're going to we're going to trick your dad and and you're going to get the blessing instead of your older brother now th that that's absolutely a horrible horrible thought that a mom would do that but Jacob said you know I'll, I'll bring curse upon myself and she said let the curse be on me and so he went out and got the meat and he, he, his mom prepared it. And then they took the skin of an animal and put it on him because his brother was a hairy man and he was a smooth man. And he went in and his father said, son, how could that have been so quick that you went out and got it? And he said, well, the Lord brought favor to me and I was able to find it. There was lies and deception going on the whole time. And, and, and it goes even deeper now because finally the father is tricked 
into believing. He's old and up in age. He can't see well. And, and, and he brings his son over to him and he smells of him but because he has those animal skins on him. He smelled like his brother. His brother was a man of the field. He was a hunter. And, and so his father smelled of him and said, well, it, it, it doesn't sound like my oldest son, but it must be him. And, and so he put the blessing on Jacob. How many of you know that the scripture when it says, be you sure that your sins will find you out? That's for real. Now, now Jacob, Jacob knew that this wasn't good, but he followed the instructions of his mother and it goes a little bit deeper now because Esau comes back and he finds out he's been deceived and, and he's, he's been ripped off of his inheritance because the blessing has already been passed out. And so now his mother says, son, I want you to leave. Uh, go to some of our family that lives a long ways off because I don't want your brother to kill you. And, and so the problem is now he is a fugitive from his family. He is a fugitive from his brother because of deception. Now, that's a horrible, horrible place to be. You know, when, when a mother would put her children in that spot. Jackie and I, when we, ju we just came from the Holy Land and, and there, there was an area that King Herod had, had developed. It, was, it would be like an old time uh, uh, betting arena, something like Las Vegas. It was very elaborate, very elaborate for that day. But they had an area where they would have chariot races, but also it was an area, it was called an amphitheater, and, and it was set out so that uh, uh, they could have gambling, bets would be placed. And what they would do, they would put a, a child on this side and put a child on this side and put the mother in the middle. And then the bets would be placed. Which one will the mother love the most? Which one will the mother try to protect? And then they would let the lions loose. And, and so whichever one that the mother would run to, the other side would lose. It was a horrible game that was played with human beings. And, and Jacob, and Esau's mother, she might not have done it with lions, but she put her children in a horrible position to devour each other. So I, I've got to share with you here today that it put Jacob in isolation. First from his family and second, when you get isolated, understand this, when you get isolated, your, your fears will run rampant and, and, and you can only imagine what was going through his mind. How, how would you like to be Jacob to know that every day of your life you were having to look over your shoulder? Every minute of your life you had to make sure that the one you double crossed hasn't come to kill you. 
every day of your life that you would think, oh, how I would love to go and hug on my dad and tell him I'm sorry, but I can't get back to him. Oh, I wish I had my mother to embrace, but she's not there because sin has its consequences. He was isolated and the devil wants to isolate you. The devil wants to put you into a trap and make you feel like that your problems or what you did in your past is always going to haunt you. But I've got to tell you, it does not have to haunt you and it does not have to be your presence. So he was isolated. It was horrible. And, and isolation brings fears and, and, and oftentimes it brings many what ifs. You know, when, when you're isolated, a, a, a molehill becomes a mountain. When you're isolated, little things become big when you're isolated. But then we see that there was a confrontation that took place. See, in Genesis chapter 32, beginning at um, verse 24, Jacob encountered an angel. Now, let, let me back up just one step and tell you that here's why he was isolated. He, he was in a situation where, how do I get out of this? There, I just don't see any way to get out. I, somehow you've got to hear what I'm preaching today because there's a way out. There's a way out. Why many people take their lives is they feel like there's no way out. I'm isolated. I'm done. The mistake I made is irreparable. It, people would be better off without me around. People would be better suited if I was just out of the picture, which is a lie. The, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And, and he would like to put you in that. But now Jacob is having an encounter, an angel. Uh, he was so desperate for a blessing that he wrestled until the break of day. Now, I, I want you to, the, the Bible tells us very plainly that human beings are made a little lower than the angels. As far as being able to fight an angel, we, we can't do that. That angel, pretty much any time he wanted to, could have killed Jacob. But see, God was wanting to see, Jacob, do you really want me? Jacob, are you really seeking me? You know why a lot of people can't get what they need from God? Because they get down to the altar for just a little bit. And then they go, I've got 11 minutes before it's 12 o'clock. And that fried chicken, I just can't wait to get to it. And so fried chicken becomes more important than the will of God. Preacher, do you really think it's like that? Absolutely. Uh, why some people can't get what they need from God is because they get there and God begins to touch them and tears start welling up in their eyes and then, I'm a man. 
And we men can't cry in front of other men. And so we, we cut off our blessing. We're not a seeker at that point. We're a pleaser of men instead of seeking God's face. Come on. And there, I could go on and on because you and I, as adults, we, and, and as young people growing up, we've had our issues. We've allowed pride and, and things to influence us and, and mess us up when, when what we ought to do is say, I don't care who's looking. I, I don't care who is observing. I don't care. I want God. I want Jesus. I want his will. I want his plan. I want his presence. I want his miracles. I want his signs. I want his wonders. I want all that he has. I don't care who likes it and who doesn't like it. I'm not here to worship man. I'm here to worship God. Is there anyone in the building that is here to worship God instead of worshiping man? I want you to get this picture now. Jacob has hold of this angel and they're wrestling. Now, uh, I believe Jacob knew his way around pretty good. I mean, he, I I don't think he was a, a wimp, but he couldn't match up against his opponent. But the angel says, let me go for the day is about to break. And he said, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. I can see as the angels like, get off of me. And I can see him as he's holding on, as, as maybe the angel is dragging him behind him. The angel even does this, touches him in his hip and puts his hip out of socket. And he still says, that might have, you might have crippled me, but I'm still gonna get my blessing. I'm not gonna give in. I'm going to get what God has for me. I wanna tell you what happened to Jacob. Jacob said, I have been a deceiver. I have been running almost all my life. I have been no good, but I'm a changed man and I'm not going to leave this spot like I encountered you. I'm gonna get my blessing. I'm gonna be a different person from this point on. What better time than to say December 1st, 2019 is going to be my day. It's going to be my hour. It's going to be my time. I'll not let you go until you bless me, dear God. I'm going to receive. There was desperation. He was focused. I'm changed. I'm a man with a purpose. I'm a man on a mission. I'm desperate. When is the last time you were desperate? Now the Bible tells us two quick stories. In the book of Luke, 
chapter 15. There's a man that had 100 sheep. And one of them was lost. Just one. One. Everyone say one. One. Big deal. One. But with one, Jesus left 99. The Bible says he left 99 in the wilderness and went out and searched until he found one. You know, I have people say, well, you pastor a big church. You don't know if I'm there or not. That's a bunch of baloney. I'm going to tell you, you matter to me. Oh, you just want me for my tithe. That's a bunch of baloney. That's worse than the first lie. I've never pastored people for money. You're important. When you aren't here, it matters. But more than that, come on. But more than that, when you hear of someone falling back into sin, it makes you sick to your stomach. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, some of my colleagues, some of my friends, that have allowed sin into their life and they've lost their career, they've, they've, they've messed up their family. It does matter. You matter. But if you're isolated, they don't care about me. Can I, I wasn't gonna throw this in, but I'm going to now. Just recently, and I will tell you, it's becoming increasingly hard to tell regular attenders and non-regular attenders. Honestly. The national average, to me, when I was growing up, my mom and dad, they had us in church eight days a week. Sometimes more than one time a day when the when the doors were open we were there that's how i was brought up when doors were open you'd be in church the national average now what is classified uh faithful attenders in church is two times every two months two times every two months and that's considered faithful attendance. Sometimes it's hard to tell when the sheep have gone because that's just their routine. Now that's another sermon, but I'm here today to tell you, you matter. When you're not around, we miss you. There is something about being with the group. 
There is something about worshiping together. I praise God for the ability to have online services. But I promise you, and for those who are watching online and those who will be watching it on TV, if you're having a good time watching it that way, bless your heart. But once you get into the sanctuary and feel what we're feeling here collectively, it is a total difference. My next point is in this same chapter in the book of Luke, there was a person that had 10 coins and lost one. And they swept the house, lit a candle. They did everything they knew to find the one coin because the one piece of silver mattered. Boy, let me just go ahead and say it. Y'all work with me a minute. This group right here in this front section, y'all look around, look around if you don't mind, and let's vote on which one we'll let go to hell. They don't matter. Let's let them go to hell. Let them bust hell wide open and spend eternity there. Which one will we choose? Which one does not matter? This side over here, look around and pick someone that's so worthless, so no good. We just say, I don't care. Let's let them go to hell. The section back here, the section back here, choir, pick out someone. And let's just be so callous that it never matters. God, help us never to get to that spot that no one, oh God, we must be seekers. And yet still we have neighbors. Which neighbor will we choose? I'm not going to even offer to witness to them. I'm not even going to invite them to church. I'm not even going to make an effort with my coworker. Let them bust hell wide open. As long as I can go to heaven, glory to God, I'll shout on the streets of glory while they're frying in hell. And that's how... It is in our world today, not with everybody, but often the church has become desensitized. We're not seeking the lost like we once did. We're not passionate about the lost like we once were. God, help us. Help us to be seeker sensitive in such a way that every person matters. Every individual is a soul that will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. I'm just about through. When's the last time that you've been a seeker for your health, for your lost loved ones, for your finances, for an infilling of the Holy Ghost? Oh, I feel God in this place. Jacob had a name change. He wasn't the only one that God changed names for. Abram was changed to Abraham and Sarai was changed to Sarah and Simon was changed to Cephas or Peter. 
And Jacob was changed to Israel. And his name meant one who contended or wrestled with God. And he had a name change. But Brother Cecil, I've got to tell you, I had a name change. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was a wretch, but now I'm a child of the Most High God. What was your name at one time? Was it drunk? Was it bum? Was it liar? Was it thief? Was it wretch? Was it sinner? I don't care whatever name the devil tagged you with. I'm here today to tell you that there is a God that will give you a new name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, the songwriter put it this way. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. I wanna tell you, he washed me with the blood of his only begotten son and I have had a name change. I'm no longer what I was. I'm on my way to heaven and so are you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? Why seek? Why seek? We must seek for genuine change. Is your 2020 going to be the same as your 2019? Why seek? Brother Matthew and the Hedge on Tuesday nights have been faithfully praying for signs, miracles, wonders, healings, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And I really do believe we have been seeking church But I, for one, I want to be a person that I'm able to bring the trophy. Come on. Here's a person that was divinely healed. Here's a person that got a miraculous change in their life. Here's a person who was a drug addict and God instantly delivered them from drugs. Here's a person that was a no good, no count individual, but now is a productive dad, a wonderful, loving mother. Why seek? Because we got a promise. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be opened unto you. I'm not gonna ask Jackie to come up, but I'm gonna tell you very quickly a little story on us and then I'm, we're gonna pray. Jackie and I kind of dated puppy love um, growing up what were you 12 when I first met you so uh, we would date and break up date and break up 
dating was sitting by her in church. But then there came a time that I could drive and go on a real date. We were in one of those situations where we had broken up. But I decided I wanted to try to date her again. I told this story, it's a little humorous, but it is true. One time when I broke up with Jackie, it was at the end of the hallway and the downstairs of the church and I, I, I was being super spiritual and I said, I said, I just feel like it's the Lord's will that we would break up. But now I had gotten to a place where I was serious and I really wanted to date her and I really wanted a relationship with her. And because of that stupid statement I had made, I was afraid to approach her then. Some of you have done some stupid things. Start right here. I've done some stupid things. And because we do stupid things, we think that that one stupid thing is going to keep you from ever achieving what God has for your life. God is bigger than stupid. I went to her and I said, would you go out with me? And she said, oh no. Far be it from me to interfere with the will of God. God wanted us to break up so I don't wanna do anything. But praise God, some years went by and I tried again. And that time she said, yes. May I tell you, we didn't get married on the first date. We dated. Now dating is a, is a short word for seeking. I sought her approval. I sought her love. I sought her affection. I, I was chasing after her. It didn't matter what I had to do. I just had to have her attention. And that's what I'm asking you to focus in today with God. I've got to have your attention, God. In the morning, I've, I've, got to, I've got to know that you love me, God. At noontime, I've just got to communicate with you. I'm seeking you. Dear Lord, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to say, wherever I have to go, I just want you. I want you. That's seeking God. 
So I'm going to ask every person, every person, I want you to gather in this altar. Every person, come on. Move quickly as you can. I really feel a strong anointing here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Push in. Come on. I want every person, every person that would. Come on. Push in close. Come on. Someone, if you'll believe the scripture, you're going to find today. Someone, if you believe the scripture, you're going to knock and the door is going to be open to you. Someone, if you believe the scripture, you're going to ask. And he's going to let you receive. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to look inward. Everyone look inward. If you don't mind, just shut your eyes and look as deep inward as you can. What area are you deficient in? What area are you not up to par? Be honest with yourself. Preacher. I'm not near as dedicated as I once was. I'm not, I, I, I'm not into the word like I once was. I, I don't pray like I once prayed. I'm not faithful to God's house like I once was. I, do, I don't work for him like I used to work for him. I don't witness like I used to witness. I don't pray for the sick like I used to pray for them. I, I'm deficient. Won't you look deep? I'm going to ask if there's anyone who isn't a Christian. I want you to seek the Lord today for your salvation. I want you to just admit to God that you're a sinner. Admit to him that you're wrong. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.